Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jungles is completely separate from the normal circuit, but um and so you get you get names who do that regularly, but you don't see them anywhere yeah. else. And that's and they make a load of money, and it's a really regular yeah, income for them, Mike, isn't it? Mike Gunn was one who's. You need to move it to you now. People like Mike Gunn was always <laughs> on the um, jungle circuit, but then just never appeared anywhere else for ages. But then well, he, he was did, heroin but addict, then he wasn't did, he? Yeah, he was. But then he did do Edinburgh. Yeah, Donna McPhail was another one that we saw all the time. I have no idea what she's doing anymore. But she was like me girl. neither. No, me neither. Hello, my name's Simon Kane, and welcome to the Ask the Industry podcast, episode 33. For those of you new to the show, this is the podcast where I interview the most influential people from the worlds of stand-up, comedy, radio, TV, and today, fringe festivals. Zena Barry and Michelle Flower run the Camden Fringe, which takes place in London in August every single year. They started it in 2006, and as we're speaking, they are preparing for their 10th year. I got them on to talk about the festival, why it was started what the gentrification of Camden has had impact-wise on the festival itself, how running a comedy festival at the same time as Edinburgh can be problematic or advantageous. We got into some really interesting discussions and they shared quite a lot of stories about their experiences at different fringe festivals and I had a lot of fun talking to them. Uh, I really think you're going to get a lot out of this. It's ideal for anyone who wants to take part in the Camden Fringe and wants to know a little bit more about what goes on behind the scenes. If you are enjoying the show, please do remember to subscribe Uh, You can do that via iTunes or Stitcher. Also, if you have the time, please do take one minute and leave me an honest review on iTunes. We're up to 35 reviews now. Really love to keep that going. So if you could leave it a a quick little, you know, two, three sentences, what you thought of it and a star rating, that'd be amazing. If not, just a star rating would be great. Really helps out the show. Future guests are reading them and it just makes us look better and helps with the ranking on iTunes or so I've been led to believe. So hopefully that will work out quite well. If you would like to follow along, the show notes are at Simon Kane, that's S-I-M-O-N-C-A-I-N-E dot co.uk forward slash Ask the Industry Podcast. Uh, that's got a list of all the questions that we discussed, as well as timestamps and uh, links to anything that was mentioned. So without any more delays, this is Zena Barry and Michelle Flower. Week. That would be, yeah, that would be a really specific... What is it they were discussing something really gruesome the other day? <coughs> Who's they? About periods, women's hour, and uh, lots of men wrote in saying, is this suitable topic for morning discussion? Oh, I can't remember what it was, but it was something to do with periods and things. Stupid anyway. fucking... I know. 
Are we allowed to swear, by the way? Yeah, you can say whatever you want. It's not going to be on children's BBC, is it? Do you want to to get a swear word out now before we start? Cunt. (laughs) I might make that the opening, like, that'll be the (laughs) (laughs) Just start with that word and let's go from there. Um, But yeah, like I said, this is your 10th year doing the Camden Fringe. Uh, first of all, we'll, uh, you, on your website you say that it was it was started as an uh, alternative to the Edinburgh Fringe for people in London. Is that right still? Yeah, that's right. Um, we Well, we ran the Etcetera Theatre in Camden and we used to take shows up to Edinburgh every year and the Etcetera Theatre would be still running but kind of quiet with one or two shows <laughs> <laughs> happening at any one time. Um, and uh, Edinburgh was getting expensive and stressful, and we thought, uh, let's let's see what happens if we say there's going to be a fringe on in Camden. And before we knew it, we had 22 shows signed up for the first ever Camden Fringe. So in the first Camden Fringe, um, Roisin Connerty did her first hour long show, which obviously we don't tell Edinburgh about that because they gave her the best newcomer, you know, six, six years later for doing her first hour. <laughs> um, and uh, Joey Page was on and um, anyone else that we think is now slightly famous? Thingy Bob, uh, Caitlin Moran's sister. Yes, uh, Caitlin Moran's sister who co-wrote uh, Raised by Wolves with her. Oh, yeah, they did okay. um, a show with her, another sister. Yeah. The Moran sisters, the Moran sisters. Uh, did a show called The Guys. Um, so yeah, it was you know, but it was really low key the first year, um, and we just we went to Edinburgh still, and just right. sort of left it happening in London. Um, and we had a horrible time in Edinburgh, and decided that actually we probably wouldn't come back again. And next year we'd try and do the Camden Fringe properly and see what happened. And thus it began. How are you? Because as an alternative to Edinburgh, at the same time as Edinburgh, do you find that that has an impact on? the kind of audience you get or the kind of the, the number of audience you might get i don't think it doesn't have any impact on the audience because london is still london after all and it's the summer and it's full of people and tourists and even though when you're in edinburgh during the festival you feel like it's the center of the world but then you come back and realize that nobody else knew what was happening or has any idea what was happening up there so um i don't think it impacts on audience toll. No, I think there are two areas that it has an impact on. Um, the first is the performers that want to come and do it because um, lots of people are very focused on Edinburgh. We do have um, people who come and perform with us and then go up to Edinburgh. Um, and then we have a few people who go to Edinburgh and then can perform with us. Um, and But that we tend to get newer people um, and also comics who have recently... Um, got married or had babies uh, and they don't want the commitment of going to Edinburgh for a full month uh, so they stay and do Camden because they still have that kind of yearly yearning to do a show Um, and the other impact it has is probably on the press as well um, because even though uh, we're in London and uh, Edinburgh is in Scotland uh, London-based publications still are quite focused on Edinburgh as a thing so time out don't um time out london time out london tends to do a lot of edinburgh reviews which let's face it is 400 miles away um but we have lots of really um there's lots of great websites that cover just london stuff who come and review things so you don't you do still get press out of it and um press coverage and camden new journal are great um but yeah those are the two i think the press and the performers are the things that have an impact edinburgh has an impact on audiences no because uh, London is very busy 
generally. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Not sure of people. There's quite a few people, yeah. Um, no, I know what you mean about the, the bubble element. Whenever you go up to Edinburgh, you sort of feel a, a bit like anything could happen outside of Edinburgh and you wouldn't know about it until the end of the fringe. Uh, the thing is, uh, London Publications going to Edinburgh to review, Is that just? do you think that's just them trying to get ahead of themselves for when those acts bring the show down to London for like a Soho run or something? Or do you think that's not necessarily the best move? For Would you, would you prefer to be covered, as it were? There or? might be a little bit of that. I think... Mostly they like to go up there and and watch shows, really. But but also, there isn't that many of them left anymore. Actual print journalists who are proper, proper writers who go up there to write actual proper reviews that are nicely written. There's not very many of them left. So most things now you read online and there's lots and lots of websites where lots of young people write reviews and they've got to learn somewhere um so there's a lot more of that and there's not not that much print journalism anymore no there was when we first started um the Camden Fringe there was this golden age of free newspapers in London there was like the London Light and there was another one as well there were two the free news London was that no was it called oh, no that's the big wheel yeah <laughs> it was but there was two kind of new newspapers a bit like the metro but they were entirely based in London and that was brilliant because they put our pictures in every week and it was like oh every day it's brilliant this is great but they both kind of were free newspapers and obviously the economic model did not work so well but yeah with I think the London journalists most things that have gone to Edinburgh and are good do either start in London with previews or come back to London or both so you know it's I don't think London the Edinburgh has this kind of quite has this sort of once in a lifetime opportunity to see things that it used to have because all the good stuff does end up in London anyway so yeah you're not missing out if you don't go to Edinburgh is what I think everybody you're not missing out um I was going to ask because you you mentioned three and you said that model didn't work and I know you guys don't do three shows at the the, none of the shows are free Nope. do you think that's because the free fringe model can't work in London or is there just another reason for that um, I think it. I think the free fringe model that could work in London. One of the problems we have with it, I think, is that if you haven't paid for a show, there's a very good chance that you'll go and sit in it, and after five minutes, if you're slightly bored and think it's a bit rubbish, you're going to just get up, walk out, go to the bar, or go and find something else to do. And whereas if you've paid five pounds or more. Even if you hate it, you will stay there to get your money's worth, which is ridiculous, but I sort of think that's how audience works. So if it's a great show on, on the free fringe, that's brilliant. But if if it's something a bit ropey and it's free, you're going to end up, I think, having a bit of a horrible time with people coming in and out of your show and disturbing it. We have, um, Camden Fringe isn't just comedy, it's theatre as well. And actually some theatre has quite elaborate sets, quite big casts, and actually the production costs are quite high. So they need to charge for tickets um, and they need to charge, you know, at least £10 for tickets. So our ticketing model is that we won't let people charge less than £5. £5 is the minimum, £15 is the maximum. And it's just to give not exactly a level playing field because obviously there's a £10 gradation in that, but... um, 
to just to give so they're sort of, sort of working on the same premise so the audience aren't, aren't going to go oh this one's free i'll go and see that and then and then ignore something brilliant that's 10 pounds mm-hmm. um one of the things that was annoying when we used to take shows up to Edinburgh was that we'd be trying to sell tickets and then if it was sort of early in the week, it was Monday or Tuesday afternoon, then somebody else would be um, papering their show. And so if you've got a few people walking, looking to buy tickets, they're just going to take the free ticket and, um, and go to see that just because they can and that was kind of annoying and then it so one person would start giving their tickets away for free so then everybody else started to feel like they had to give their tickets away for free and before you know it you think oh well I'm going to have to paper the show as well otherwise nobody will come because everybody started giving their tickets away for free so it sort of made sense for us to just say that's not happening full stop you cannot do it and yeah, that won't and, happen. Um, most of our venues are proper theatres with proper staff, proper equipment. Um, they're not free to run. They have people running the box offices, they have people administrating, they have people marketing, and they have people turning lights on and off. And electricity is expensive. So, you know, to give... I think it works if you've got a, a small room of a pub with um, some chairs in it. You can get away with not charging for tickets. But if you've actually got a proper space, then, you know, you need to make some money somehow. Um, and charging for tickets is one of the things you do. Do you think it also eliminates certain shows from coming? So it means that, you know, I mean, like, what kind of shows do you try and attract you? Because up in Edinburgh you can do, you know, like a four-hander with three different comedians or four different comedians, and obviously we're just talking about comedy here, but I presume it it kind of only attracts really then hour-long shows or people doing work-in-progress stuff for something like Edinburgh. Um, I think we still attract pretty much everything and anything, really. Um, we still get shows where there's four or five comedians sharing an hour, but we like them to come to us saying, hello, there's five of us, we want to share an hour, because that's easier for us. Yeah, we do still sometimes get people saying, I've got 20 minutes, can I come and do a show? And you have to say, no, you need to find three other people to share it with, because it's not that's not going to work, and we don't have the time to kind of put the bills together. And you don't know who's going to fit stylistically, and then who's going to go first, who's going to go second. So they need to kind of come to us with an hour, um, really, but there's no reason that they can't all get together and sort things out. Hey, I'm going to say uh, three men and a giant to you now, Zena. Yes. Three men. And a oh, three, three, <laughs> three men and a giant came to us in. Oh no, they came to the sea venues in 2000. And, was it 2000? 2001. Maybe two. Possibly 2002. Anyway, it was Greg Davis, Rod Gilbert. Ed Petrie from CBBC and Steve Hall from We Are Clang <laughs> <laughs> and and being brilliant, Steve Hall going to blur gigs <laughs> with you. Um, but yeah, so they were four that came to us and wanted a 50-seat venue, so they played, it was called CO2, so it's underneath a tiny coffee shop uh, in Edinburgh and they did quite well and Ed Petrie flyered for us as well to make some extra pennies and it, yeah it's called Three Men and a Giant because Greg Davis is a giant he, he's doing quite well <laughs> he's doing quite well Rob Gilbert's doing quite well and they started off doing a mixed bill night of you know with sharing their 20 minutes so hey uh, we we made them didn't we and actually they ended up coming to the etc they came to the etc and did a sketch group called 
We Are Clang. Yeah, yeah. But before they did We Are Clang, they hadn't got a name for themselves. So the, <laughs> the first time they did that, we build them in the papers as wild, wild boys. boys with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they all cut the sleeves off their T-shirts, didn't they? To <laughs> <laughs> they decided they should market themselves to the, to the gay market because uh, uh, there wasn't really a gay sketch group out there. But right. yeah, it, that didn't work long term no. or indeed short term. <laughs> We enjoyed it. Yeah, we yeah. I remember seeing them on Edinburgh and Beyond, the, the, the TV show, where they came on in tank tops and yeah. did a... No, they did keep the tank tops, yeah. actually, didn't they? Yeah, that's true. That was our idea. Was it our idea? No, they did that to amuse us, because okay. we call them <laughs> wild boys. That's amazing. I, um, you, you've got an amazing thing on your website, which I think more fringes should have, which is like that seven-point uh, like guide to getting your so like sorting your show out for the year. And in it, you say it's basically your. Oh, go on. Sorry, you were going to say. No, she's just pointed the microphone at me because I wrote the seven-point oh, okay. guide. I so think it's really I'm good. going to be answering this question. I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> well, possibly. Um, I, it, it was not directly about the guide. It's all oh, gone. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> I should say for people at home, they keep about to saying something we're sharing a microphone so it's quite tricky yeah uh, i'm sorry I, I don't have budget for free mics right now <laughs> um but yeah uh but in it you say it's basically our job as performers to market the show and i think one of the biggest problems most performers have is marketing because we're not marketers we're performers what advice would you give to someone who wanted to do the camden fringe who has no idea, maybe isn't even from London, but wants to do it and has no idea how to market a show? Um, it is something that we do. If you're, if you're in, um, once you're part of the Camden Fringe, then we do provide you with marketing guides. So um, the essential points, I suppose, are um, be proud of your show and let people know about it. Um, we tweet about all of our shows because we know that some people like to hide their light under a bushel and um, they're a bit embarrassed about tweeting the fact that they're doing a show. So we think if we tweet about their show, they'll at least be able to retweet that, get it out there. But actually, don't don't just wait for us to tweet about it. Tweet about it yourself. Make sure people know. Um, we give a sort of template for people to fill in a press release and send that off to people. But I think, I think a, a lot of it comes down to having a good image um, for your show, getting something. And it's really easy to do these days. It's not expensive. Um, you know, even a camera phone now is astonishingly good quality so to get a really good clear image it's well lit with a nice clear background i'm thinking i could take a picture of you now and it'd be beautiful simon because <laughs> um, we're against a black background he's got a, a, a shirt on that's black with white spots it would against the black background it's gonna look great uh, i might do that later for you it'll be fine um be the image for this podcast yeah the, the image uh, for this podcast yeah, yeah. It'd be brilliant be but, me for some reason yeah <laughs> <laughs> but to have a, a good strong image not just something that's kind of lots of people send us um pictures for the brochure that are a picture of this doesn't happen with comics so much comics i have to say are the best at giving us good um headshots and things like that they We're get quite it vain, though. We yeah. like that, well, that, works. <laughs> that works on to your benefit mm. in this instance but lots of people you know they go we're doing a show and it's about you know the um just the general um it's about rape and here's a picture of a chair <laughs> yeah well that happens i wasn't going to do that one but yeah people, lots of pictures of chairs empty wow. beds just inanimate objects and you think that doesn't the human eye is yeah. always um drawn to faces you know that's why we see faces and images in clouds and things we like to see faces so if you're going to put an image out there make it one of a face ideally your face um but that yeah i feel like we're preaching to the converted with comics here um uh so yes and then having good blurb and um 
making it obvious what your show is because some people like to write you know a short sentence um and then dot 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 after it as if they're very mysterious but you think no you want to say i'm going to do jokes about this i'm interested in this i'm a bit of a nerd uh, or i am ravishing and have lovely hair just something you know something that is about you so people have something to go on but it is a lot of the time just being relentlessly self-promoting um, and making sure your friends and family and your yoga teacher all come to see the show. Um, so yeah, I don't. I think marketing is it's embarrassing and awful, but you do have to do it. It's like when you do a sponsored bike ride or something, and you have to keep saying, "Please sponsor me, everybody! Please sponsor me! I'm doing this. I'm doing a bike ride. Please sponsor me!" And you have to kind of do that, but it's about your show. So hopefully they will enjoy it. You know, they'll get something out of it. But yeah, you need to get your friends to come and bring all their friends, and then get them to tell your friends their friends. But yeah, it's so. Sorry, Zena, I'm. Ca- I'm going to say, I suppose, comedy-wise, if you've got the confidence to actually get on stage and do the comedy in the first place, then you've probably got the confidence to do a little bit of marketing and not be too scared to sell your show. And um, it's it's a tricky one, though, isn't it? We're quite um, thingy, Bob. Yeah, she's, she said we're quite mm, thingy bob and then pointed the microphone at me as if I have the answer, but I don't. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't know. Self-deprecating. So we're quite self-deprecating, apparently. But, yeah, <laughs> selling, selling yourself is a difficult and tricky thing, but if you're... Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, I think in terms of people who are good at the self-promotion, it is the comics, because we have a mixture of, of comedy and theatre, and you do find that the comics are much better at tweeting about their shows and having good pictures and writing a decent blurb than some people. But then you get some that are really lazy and just assume people are going to come to their show and then they don't because no one knows it's on. And, you know, there's only so much we can do. But outside of getting, you know, friends, family, yoga teachers down to see them, London, obviously, it has a lot of papers and it has a lot of like places you can get. I mean, we've had... Um, we had some people on from the Londonist a while ago. Um, we've had Time Out on, and we've got we, a few. We love the Londonist. They're amazing, right? Yes. I love them. Um, we've got them coming on, and we've got a few other like publications that are coming on at some point. And but I mean, are there are there any that you specifically work with, or that you would recommend trying to get in with that would try like like covering the Camden Fringe, for example? Like you said, Time Out pretty much go to Edinburgh and do that. So I mean, I assume there are ones that you work with or try and work with to try and keep the coverage here, as it were. Well, I think um, Londonist is a really good example. Who they they are so London centric, and they wouldn't go to Edinburgh, and they've been really supportive of us um, from the start. Um, so they're definitely one to get in because they do lots of they do lots of mails like mail outs, and then weekly roundups of things that are on. So they're a great one to be kind of proactive about. Um, and then we have kind of lots of reviewee sites, but they don't necessarily see comedy above theatre. Um, there's lots that see both so there's one called views views from the gods but they um see a mixture of both but they are more theater i think than mm-hmm. comedy they seem their reviews of theater are better than the ones of comedy because i think they understand it more there's fringe review but that's probably more fringe reviews definitely more. only theater yeah. yeah camden new journal and the ham and high very supportive always do nice features for us although not loads of reviews but they do nice articles about generally what's happening um you just have to hammer away at it, don't you? And see what's new, because there's always, there's always a new website and there's always one that's disappeared and then there's always something new. Do you, you know the comedian James Mullinger? 
I do, yeah, yeah. So he never did Edinburgh. He's the GQ guy, isn't he? Yeah. He used to work. Yeah, yeah. And he lives in Canada now, and he's now yep. having a film made of his life. <laughs> Amazing. And it's just, it's, and we've kind of he sort of did Camden very early on, didn't he? He did I think three or four years of doing the Camden Fringe. And he never went to Edinburgh because he was getting married and having babies, um, as mentioned before. But um, he he always did Camden and was incredibly supportive. But he was just the best person at self promotion. And I think it's partly because he was a journalist, so he could just get out there and he knew the people and he knew how to do it. But he was amazing at doing it. And now, yeah, now he lives in Canada and he's, and, uh, he's really successful over there. He's had a, a TV series in Canada and uh, he's, yeah, having this film made about his life when he was starting off as a comedian and he would spend his days, like, interviewing Jerry Seinfeld and then he'd go off and play a sort of a tiny venue in Slough that had three people in the audience and how there's this huge contrast in his life. Uh, and it stars, it stars James Buckley from The Inbetweeners as him, playing him. Um, and But yeah, he was a huge supporter of the Camden Fringe, but he was just so good at self-promotion. Yeah. And, and one of the... One and of he the always had brilliant photos taken. And that's, yeah, yeah, he loved having his picture taken. Really good photos. And he always was incredibly charming whenever he turned up. And the day after he'd performed, he would always send a thank you email as well. Yeah, and he was yeah hugely positive and hugely polite. And I think I think he did that everywhere he went yeah, as well. Everywhere he went, he said that that's my favourite venue, that's my favourite gig I've ever done. And um, and it's you know it just shows that being charming and polite does get you quite a long way. But yeah, and he never ever ever has been to Edinburgh and performed, and he's done really well. Although. Albeit in Canada, I don't know what the comedy scene in Canada is really like. But mm. I mean, he he did a DVD, didn't he? After he'd done some like two or three Camden Fringe shows, and then booked a tour off the back of it and a DVD. He was amazing. I think he had um, a, a incredible work ethic um, and was deter- and yeah, no self doubt, and just went on and did it. And goes to show you can you can get somewhere just through bravado and and a bit of talent <laughs> yes he was quite funny <laughs> um when it comes to so uh when you apply for the Camden fringe like obviously uh, so i've read your seven point thing and as i understand it you apply for the venue you get confirmed with the venue and then a few months later they register with you do you get involved when the venues are getting applications to like vet who's coming through and like do you help them out to kind of schedule things to make sure they work or um, we don't help them with schedule. We might make suggestions to them, and if we all the applications, we see them all coming through. So if we notice anything that we think, yes, that's amazing, or oh my god, that person <laughs> is, back. is is back and really shouldn't be, they're a nightmare. We will flag things up with venues and make suggestions, but it is up to venues to program themselves because we're a mixture of um comedy and theatre we do get some comics who will apply to lots of theatre venues um and then miss out the fact that they should be going to the camden comedy club which is the sort of best i think for for stand-up it's the best venue we've got because it's that's what it's designed for um it used to be when it was liberties when we first started it was actually the second venue that we ever took on as the camden fringe and we built the stage in that um, and it was called Liberties then and then it changed its name to the Camden Head and then I think a year ago possibly to this week uh, it became the Camden Comedy Club um, and that one is properly set up for doing stand-up and occasionally a performer will 
apply and forget to do that one or forget to apply to aces and eights which was a new one to us last year and actually those are the two that are great for stand-up so you will occasionally say i see you've um you've applied to the cockpit for your one man uh comedy show that's just you and a mic perhaps you would like to think about these ones so we do uh, we kind of you know where it's necessary we'll chip in but on the whole um we you know we leave the venues and the acts to talk to each other and collaborate on that and what would you say is like one of like the most common mistake that would you say it's picking the wrong venue or would you say possibly picking the wrong venue not knowing what you're doing and doing something awful (laughs) (laughs) just having an idea for a show and it just being a terrible awful idea not putting it together well having no idea what you're doing um, and doing that, that's the worst mistake. I think, I think it's laziness. And I think that's related to having a terrible idea. Mm. So people kind of have a very vague shadow of an idea and think, I'll do that. That'll be easy. Um, and then they don't actually do any work on it until quite last minute. And then they realise it's a bit too late, really. So I think... Yeah. And th- so that's the point when you sometimes, like a week before they're due to um, perform, you might we might have noticed that their ticket sales are looking rather low and then you'll get an email from one of them saying that somebody's died and <laughs> and that they're going to have to cancel and you just think as awful as it sounds we just go yeah of course of course one of you's died <laughs> just, you know just 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 say you've not written it or you've not got your shit together or you've all fallen out that happens oh on stage sometimes that happened last year didn't it we had a, two people performing a show together who will remain nameless, um, but they were two separate um, character performers. I think we will call them, and they seemed to fall out midway through the show. Um, they were doing like I think two or three performances midway through the first show. They basically fell out with each other somehow, and then one of them was ill the next day and couldn't do the performance, and it all so someone else came and stood in and did half the character show. It was yeah, that that ha- yes. Without saying more, I, don't, I think it would reveal who they were, but it was a bit embarrassing for everybody, really. Mm. So don't, just try and do a show with people you get on with. <laughs> it's like minimum requirement, yeah. <laughs> I think. In, in Edinburgh, I was talking to uh, Daryl Martin, who runs Just a Tonic, and he was like, yeah, just like the, the, his policy for employing people is just don't be a dickhead because I've got to deal with you for a month. So I think same with any show, like just don't pick someone who you think is going to be a prick, really. Yeah, it's a sound policy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But sometimes, you know, you get stealth dickheads and you don't realise <laughs> until it's too late. Mm. But most people are nice, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> End it on a positive yeah. comment, of course. <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, do, 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 do. sorry, I've just realised I haven't crossed that question off. So, when... So, tell me about Chechnya. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it awful about Chechnya? Chechnya, Chechnya. Sorry, we're repeating Bridget Jones to each other now. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You do that while I cross off questions. Okay. Yeah. And okay. then, and I, and I won't even edit that out. I'll just leave it in and people can say, you guys are just entertaining yourselves. Cause, cause a, show that came, a film that came out, we worked out 13 years ago. No, yeah. more than that. About 14 15, years ago. 14, 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the next question was going to be, but the thing is, now you've said Chechnya a lot, I sort of feel like... <laughs> 
I feel a little bit like I should talk about that, but I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say why Camden, but I assume it was because you ran the Etcetera Theatre, so you were in that area, because you, you guys live in Manchester, you both in Manchester, right? We live in Manchester now, but uh, yeah, we were running the Etcetera Theatre on Camden High Street, and we'd been running that, I think, was it 2002, the end of 2002 we took it over. Probably. Yeah, so we we were there, so we were in Camden, so... We had a venue in Camden, hence Camden Fringe. But Camden is, um, I think, a great place to do a fringe in that has the high street, which is quite buzzy, quite exciting. It feels a little bit like you're on the Royal Mile in Edinburgh, except less grand, more kind of less, less castles, more giant Dr. Martins hanging off of the front of buildings. But there is that kind of buzzy centre to it. And Camden is a great creative place. So um, if you look if you're really nerdy and you want to look back at the history of fringe theatre, then Camden is quite linked with, with the history of um, fringe theatre and um, Joan Plowright. Is that her name? No, it's the other Joan. Joan, Joan, J- Joan Sims? Yes, Joan Sims. And Oh, What's a Lovely War and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, so Camden has quite a history of uh, no, just being a creative place. It's got the market there before it was all gentrified. Mm. Um, you know, it was a place where fashion designers started off. Loads, so many bands have started off in Camden. And, um, you know, we're around the corner from MTV. And, you know, there's yeah. just... It's, it's one bit of London that hasn't, hasn't yet been completely fucked I think it's getting there. It will get there. It will yeah. get there. But the, it's it's still cool and f- fun. I don't know. I different. don't know that it is cool. I think well, it's only cool if you're a French teenager and you want some yeah. socks that have got. No, I think there's still bits that are cool, but not the bits that are, that you see on the on the street. Right. The the stripy socks. I think there's cool things, but behind closed doors. Exciting. Did you know Karl Marx used to? Have these meetings in this very room. In this very, but we're in the uh, etc. Theatre, by the way. For anyone no, listening, we're not, we're in oh no, we're in the Hen and Chicken. Sorry, Hen and Chicken Theatre. So as you kept talking about the etc. So it's, uh, <laughs> my head's in that right now. Um, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Marks and Engels had their meetings in here. Cool. It's exciting, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I feel like we're topping that. I feel yeah, like we're definitely. I think, I think as meetings of minds go, this is pretty. <laughs> this is pretty up there. Yeah. Yeah, but we are technically not in Camden now. Of course, we're on Highbury Corner, which is in Islington. But the Camden Fringe has slightly shifted its boundaries, or we've moved the boundaries of Camden, just for our own ends. We like to push boundaries. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's because we're so innovative. Yes. Yes, that's right. Not because we couldn't find more venues in Camden. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it felt a very PR answer that you'd come up with. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, it's, we've, we've kind of tried to keep it because I think that ha- there have been attempts to do London comedy festivals and London fringes, and um, at which Xena snorts derisively, mm-hmm. um, that, that um, haven't really worked because you need to have some sort of geographic cohesion to where you're putting on your performances um i never thought i'd use the phrase geographic cohesion you, nice. you used it beautifully that was good. thank you i was that's why i said it twice because i was really impressed with myself. you crushed that that was <laughs> nice um joan littlewood joan that's the one joan littlewood not joan sims or joan <laughs> bakewell <laughs> i don't know what i was thinking oh, pope pope joan joan of arc do you know the story of pope joan Go on. there was a pope Called Joan. <laughs> I can't no, believe no, I couldn't no. that out. <laughs> no, there was a Pope, and it turned out um, was a woman called Joan. That's as much as I remember. But I remember there's like Joan Sims, Pope Joan, and Joan Littlewood, three Joneses. Joan is a good name, actually. Now we're thinking about it, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a cat Joan very soon. Um, so I can't remember what I was talking about then. We, we I remember were, saying geographic cohesion. Yes, you at that point. <laughs> um, I was trying. I was trying to ask like why Camden, and I was yes, just trying to find it. out whether. Well, I was going to go into, but you sort of started that without me. Uh, whether whether the changes in Camden and the fact that, like, so for example, the market's being bought up and and changed into flats and stuff is going to make a difference to the fringe, or whether you. I mean, I assume you won't want to move it or anything, but I just wondered if how much of an impact that's going to have on you guys. Um, I don't think it'll have much of an impact, really. I think the venues are all going to stay where they are. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, Camden is always changing. Um, we were there during many of the great fires of Camden. Um, I remember, yes, I remember we, Miles, Miles Jupp was doing a show at the Etc. one night and I had to ring him up and go, don't come here, Camden is on fire. <laughs> we have had to evacuate the building. Uh and yeah, that was all. That was the big fire where they oh, suddenly. Do you remember the, the first fire? Yes, I do. That was not good. No, it wasn't. The first fire. It was. Was it about two weeks after we'd taken over the etc. Yeah. Just finished painting. We just finished painting. <laughs> fire. Chip pan fire in the pub downstairs. Our first show cancelled. <laughs> all all our paintwork ruined. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. We've not been lucky with fire. No, we've not. No. We had a fire in Edinburgh. Do you want to know about that? Go for it. In Edinburgh, when we were, um, we'd taken lots of shows up there one year. It was, I think, technically our best year at Edinburgh. We had, uh, yeah, we had two Perrier-nominated yeah, shows. We not had uh, Tulson and Harvey were nominated for Best Newcomer and Jeremy, Jeremy Lyon. Lyon. I can't remember which Jeremy Lyon show it was now, but Jeremy Lyon Second was nominated one. for uh, the, the main award. Uh, so it was kind of, you know... Yeah, and we um, had Milton Jones and Robin Ince and the Consultants and the Trap and Bad Play. Yeah, and we had a really good lineup of shows um, and 
yeah, halfway through our flats <laughs> and all our flyers were set on fire. And we were, luckily, we were in the chip shop around the corner, not realising that um, it was, our flat was just across from the Pleasant Dome and people had been hammering on the door thinking that we might possibly be in there, but luckily we weren't. Yeah. And actually, luckily, it, the, the fire was in a tiled bathroom, uh, so it didn't actually ruin our flyers, but we had to move, we moved them. They stunk, didn't Yeah, they? we moved them to the underbelly, who very kindly said that we could store our flyers there for the duration, as soon as we had no flat anymore. Um, but people kept running into them going, there's a fire, there's a fire in the, in the flyer store. But it was just our old smoke-smelling uh, flyers that had been in there. That's not a very interesting story, but there we go. No, probably not. No. It, w- it was interesting to us at the time. Yeah. And I still have the same suitcase, which still is sooty. I still got stuff covered in soot from that. <laughs> and it, that was Ten my, years ago, yeah. <laughs> just, just a few toiletries. <laughs> just, <laughs> we're just a bit grubby. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going to edit that out or I'm going to keep that, because you, you, at the end of it, said it's boring. Like, And if it bored you... I don't know. Well, I've heard the story before. Oh, I, was there. I was there. <laughs> I suppose at the time it was a lot more dramatic because you guys didn't sell the fire very heavily there. No, we, Do you know well, we I mean? don't like really was... know what happened. We just got back there and we realised... I had to actually. The bathroom was on the pavement yeah, and there was I loads of... Um, um, I know this isn't the right number to call, but there has been a fire at our flat. Um, <laughs> um, there's no one here, but the, we know the fire brigade have been, so I'm not sure what to do. We're allowed in. Yeah, the flat was... Yeah, it was black, completely black, wasn't we it? we just turned up at, at we, the... We um, went into Brooks Club, Brooks covered, in, in covered in soot. <laughs> so, will somebody take us in? <laughs> Yes, and Isabel and Tom took us in, didn't they? Yes. Very kind. gave us some knickers. Yeah, they were Isabel's knickers, not Tom's. Yeah, uh, they now do. What do they do? Clever Pie Productions is what their thing is. They're they're still around doing stuff. Everyone stays around. I tell you, persistency. Yeah, persistence. Is Everyone the thing. stays and yeah. just carries on, regardless of how good or bad they are, because no one tells you and then you don't believe them when they do I heard about somebody I won't say who who is still doing stuff who I saw was maybe eight years ago and at the time was so livid that he'd had the audacity to get on stage and and be quite that rubbish and then I find out he's still doing it can you guess? no no, I can't guess. I bet when we're on the train back, you'll guess. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, but then we've not got a great record for talent spotting, really, have we? Because I remember we went to see Lee Francis when we were both working at the Pleasance, uh, and we got sent out to go and scout this bloke and see what's he like. And he's going, mm. oh, he's just put on a weird Michael Jackson mask. Yeah, we <laughs> it's not very good. Yeah, it was called. The, I still got the flyer for that now. It was called Heavy Pencil, um, which is actually quite a good name. We for walked night. out. Did we? Uh, I certainly walked out about halfway through because I couldn't sit through any more of it. <laughs> Went back and said to Piers, God, no, it's awful. Piers was uh, programming the Pleasants at the time. Yeah, and that's... Uh, and now yeah. uh, he's... And now he's rather... Keith Lemon, that's, Keith the, Lemon, that's yeah, the man he's doing, he is, doing quite well. Yeah. So we, we failed on that one. But you, so you, because you guys are producers, like, by day, is that right? You produce shows? or am No, I... we used to do that, but we okay. don't anymore. Yeah, no. So you only work on the Camden Fringe, or what's your? Yeah, I I, I run the Manchester Fringe as well. Okay. And and a pub in Salford. Mm. Cool. Which is a pub theatre. So you know the same sort of thing, but up north with um, people with less money. <laughs> I have a day job unrelated to performance in any way, but I will get to name a cat Joan soon. <laughs> Are you, do you work in a pet sanctuary? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's really <laughs> cool. Um, 
I feel like I should have prepared some questions for the Manchester Fringe now because although you do have on your website something about because I saw there's a, the I can't remember what the, name of the pub was but it was on the sidebar and it said do you want to do your part your gig in Manchester or your show in Manchester click through so I I mean is there much of a connection between the two like if you wanted to try and book both you can do um there's well there's no connection other than that I work for both of them but um if you wanted to book both you'd have to apply to both and try and do both <laughs> But they're not, they're sort of unrelated other than me. So there's no like discount or like no. deal that you could do for both? Absolutely not. <laughs> no way. <laughs> well, that's disappointed a lot of comedians. Um, <laughs> um, one sec. Cause, well, because there's the, the uh, when I talked to the guy from the Brighton Fringe, uh, he told me about the World Fringe Alliance, I think it's called, <clears throat> which like has like a network where you can yeah. kind of apply for like a few different fringes and try and collate them between them are you you're not as an associate yeah that's um it's run by a lady called holly and they're meeting in london on saturday okay, actually yeah. um and she she's a she's she basically has really sort of pulled lots of fringe managers together and trying to sort of um keep lines of communication open about all sorts of things that affect all of us um but um in terms of actual we, you know, we'll do retweets for each other or, for example, Prague Fringe emailed me the other week saying, can you send this tweet out because our applications are closing in a week? So I said, yes. And can you do one for us in a couple of months? Yes. Brilliant. Um, I don't think it goes much further than that. But well, we miss out on that because the World Fringe, what's it called? The Fringe Alliance. World Fringe Alliance, I yeah, think. They yeah, they tend to do all their stuff during August at Edinburgh and um, we are often unavailable because of yeah. Camden. Um, so I think they all get pissed together. I think that's, yeah, I think that's what happens, which we actually probably could manage <laughs> to do if we took our laptops with us. Do you need a laptop to drink, no, obviously? To monitor our ticket sales and things like that and deal with emails. Oh, yeah. Remotely, yeah, working yeah. while drinking. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, drinking is it enhances work often. <laughs> as long as you don't spill it on your laptop and then it would be bad. I thought you were going to say something else then. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, what would you say is one of your most underused features or facilities that you offer for the Camden Fringe for performers, either for comedians or theatre people? Um, I think people don't read all the information we give them and um <laughs> no I, we know they don't because they you get the questions that say what when does this happen when does that happen it's it's all there everything is there written mm. down for you so if you actually go through and read all the resources that are provided for you it answers so many questions i will provide you with a lot of guidance um and a lot of people don't fill in we have to make it so easy to fill in um a press release we just have a bit where you have to just fill in blurb about your show you don't have to write in where the show is on you don't have to write the dates it's on because we generate all of that automatically from your show listing mm. um and we so you literally just have to say this is why my show is on this is why it is good um these are some quotes about things i've done before it you know it's if you if you took two hours over it it would be excellent um to write you know you could write something really good um but you could do, do something that was passable in half an hour it doesn't take you time but the amount of people who just don't even go there and don't even look at it so there is no press release for their show. Um, I think that's you know I think that's I think it's the resources about marketing that are underused um, by performers. You can lead up water to a horse, but you can't water the horse to drink. <laughs> you can't drown the horse in the water. Yeah, you could try, but you can't make it. 
<laughs> got really sinister that <laughs> you guys looked at each other really intensely with that. <laughs> we have a secret about horse <laughs> <laughs> okay we buried one um, that didn't pick up I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's okay um i can't believe we went to the vegan shop this morning <laughs> oh is that the one around the court the um yeah i like that one it's quite cool are you vegan no but I sometimes eat vegan because I need to eat more protein and less meat. Long story. <laughs> oh, go on. Uh, Mo- what about eggs? Oh, I eat a lot of eggs. This is, this is gone. Tina's on. recently got chickens. Oh, you got chickens. <laughs> okay. That's quite cool. Any specific reason or just you felt like getting chickens? Felt like getting the chickens. Rescue chickens Rescue, yeah. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Okay. They're all baldy and sad. And I had to... Um, Wash their waddles underneath the. T- I had to wash their waddles. Waddle. I had to run their waddles under a tap. Right. Because t- they've been pecking each other's waddles. Get the blood off and then um, smother them in pseudocreme. Um, I'm going to leave this bit in. So, do you want to explain what a waddle is? A waddle is that. It's the flappy bit it's on the. It's called it's a waddle. It's the bit that. Right. On top of the head. Okay. Like a rubber glove. Okay, fine. I should have let people Google that. That would have been way more fun. Well, they wouldn't have got very far because it's not called a waddle. I think it's called a waddle. It's called a waddle. But if, I, we should also say that um, if if you do have a poorly chicken, seek veterinary advice and do not cover it in pseudocrem. Because I don't think that's the right thing. To well, do. it's antiseptic. But don't I cleaned it and put antiseptic on it. What more can you do? It's basically like um, the same skin as a testicle. <laughs> Sure. And actually, when <laughs> when Paul did his cycling tour, no, I don't want to know this. <laughs> a few thousand comedians are going to listen to this, and now they're going to be like, right, what comedian was the one that got an argument? What, what happened to that guy's testicles? And why can't I get a discount on those shows? <laughs> <laughs> they're going to get. Well, we, I try and. In, it's uh, like a cliffhanger, isn't it? You know. Yeah. I try and do an interactive bit in every episode just for fun and see if they can tweet you. So maybe if we get someone to tweet and say if they think you should have put the antiseptic on the chicken. Or we can get them to guess which comedian had an argument, whichever way you want to do it. I don't... Which what? Either or. Either or. Which comedian had an argument? The ones, the ones that, f- that had the falling out. The show. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay, uh, what's, your, what's your Twitter handle? At Camden Fringe. Yeah. Okay, well, if you want to take a guess at which comedians had a fight, or you are the comedians that had a fight, feel free to tweet in, and uh, you win nothing, but it would just be amusing. You might get a retweet. Yeah. <laughs> Un- unless you've been rude about us. Is that fair? Yeah, then you get blocked. Yeah. <laughs> I, will, I will be watching the app mentions for the next week and see if anyone actually tweets in. Um, I definitely will be taking some guesses. Um, so the, one of the questions I find really interesting is um, because you guys are essentially behind the scenes quite a lot, most of the stuff you do, no one really gets to see or appreciate. What do you think is the What do you think is the thing that most people don't appreciate most about what you guys do towards the Camden Fringe? It's just no one really gets to see. We do a lot of the admin naked because we feel like it sort of enhances the admin aspect of things, and I don't think people really get to see that or understand it. You could live tweet that, you could. and I think I think that's a shame. It's a real shame. You you like to do it in spe- like special yoga poses as well, because um, we're very spiritual. Yeah, you've got to let your chakras flow, haven't you? Yeah, we love Shakira. <laughs> Have you got the app Periscope? No, no, no and we're not <laughs> live periscoping our naked admin. <laughs> Fair enough. No, that's not going to happen. 
I don't think it was happening anyway. No. no. We did. We did. We went naked in a show once, didn't we? I th- no, I don't think we did. I think we had underwear on. Uh, oh yeah, we did. <laughs> okay. I was, I was gonna actually ask this you. is like I feel yeah. a bit like we're doing really hoary old showbiz anecdotes here like do you remember that time oh, do you remember when yeah, we took Bernie <laughs> we took we took Bernie Clifton and the Crankies to Edinburgh in 2006 did you know that I did not know that we did we did and we had an excellent afternoon sat in the Pleasance Courtyard with uh, Bernie Clifton and, and Barry Cryer um, just listening to them talking to each other and it was it was probably one of the best afternoons of my life. It was great. But that's I, a proper I hold. Think, I don't think I've ever, ever laughed so much as the time we spent with Bernie Clifton. Yeah, Bernie Clifton is God. He's amazing. Um, yeah, and we wrapped people in tape. We met Christine Hamilton in her bra. It, everything happened when Bernie Clifton was there. Yeah. It was great. And then we took, um, we produced the uh, the Crankies with support from Stu Francis. Not Stu Francis, who people know about nowadays. Not Stuart Francis, but Stu Francis. Do you know who we oh, mean? He's from Crack. No. He's you're, he's, you're younger, yeah. yeah. Maybe. I'm 28. Is that yeah, young? Yeah, young. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Stu Francis. You know, I could crush a grape. He was on Cracker Jack when no. we were in the 80s. I, I like this. I feel young. I, like, I don't normally feel very young. Oh, no. Def- yeah, yeah, Stu Francis was famous in the, the 1980s for saying things like, ooh, I could crush a grape, I could rip a tissue, I could wrestle a barbie. Um... Wrestle, uh, wrestle an action man I don't think you wrestled a Barbie yeah. that would be abusive um, so we were very excited thinking because one I fancied him when I was about <laughs> six and um, and two it's Stu Francis from the telly from when we were about six and he was the support and and um, but then he came on it was George Square Theatre and we were very excited and he came on one night only one night only and his first joke I can't actually repeat it because it's really racist. <laughs> but we were sat at the back and he said it and we just died a thousand deaths when we realised we, we made this happen. It's the last day of Edinburgh and he's just come on and said a really racist joke and a load of people got up and walked out. And <laughs> uh, that was... But Bernie Clifton was a delight. Yes. So that's the thing that you guys the do that no were, one gets uh, The Crankies were uh, really... Uh, What's the word? Professional. <laughs> no, professional and brilliant. But Jeanette Cranky was so small, I wanted to just, when I met her, I wanted to pick her up. <laughs> Which is a good job I didn't. Yeah, I, d- I don't think people who are of a certain height like just being picked up. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, and she was wearing, she was not dressed as a schoolboy because she was in her normal attire, but she was... I've heard of them. Sorry. Oh my god. (laughs) The thing, the 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 demographic for this podcast is quite diverse age-wise. So there's probably going to be comedians who are slightly older. Thirty-five. You'll probably understand. Or if you're about forty, you'll know. Anyway, uh, she's dressed as a cowgirl. (laughs) Right. It's basically a small Scottish woman dressed as a cowgirl. Who, for a living, pretends that her husband is her brother, and she is a small schoolboy. That's that's the that's the essence of the Crankies. Okay. And this is what passed for entertainments in the nineteen eighties. Really, it was light entertainment. The Crankies, Keith Harrison, Orville. He, want, he, he wants us to go home now. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. I, I was going to say uh, when I was at school, we used to have Pokemon cards, and that passed for entertainment. So, 
if that helps you. What's f- a Pokemon? You know what a Pokemon is. It was just a card with a little animal on it who... It was like Top Trumps, but like... Pikachu. That was the one, that's the one I can name. That's the, that, was the, that was the one they flagshipped, like yeah. the main one. And mm. I never understood why, because they were better ones, but he was probably the cutest. But they all say their names, don't they? Yeah, that's, that's all they do. That's their language, is, yeah. their, is their names. Yeah, they say their name as if it's a communicative way of doing it. But I've, if anything, I think that's just them being narcissistic. <laughs> like, just. Hello, you know the Clangos. I've been trying to teach my daughter to speak in Clangos, which is, you know, they just go... <laughs> but when they... When they people doing the whistling they're actually reading words from a script but then they just go <laughs> I know it's not the same as just saying your name over and again no, it's, it's entirely different uh, yeah. it's just whistling words it's, it's yeah. the reverse <laughs> of it. it's not even yeah, it has audible got meaning is what we're saying about the, about the language so see if I do you understand what I'm saying now <laughs> do you need the toilet <laughs> I tell you what, uh, if if you have any suggestions on what that might mean, you can tweet that in as well. Yeah, Why not? That's just at Camden Fringe. <laughs> You're going to get the most ridiculous at replies from this. <laughs> um, I like how we're all trying to keep stony faced, as if like anyone's going to be able to see how we're reacting to all this. Um, okay, well, I'll I'll end on on a few quick questions, if that's okay. Um, what? She's a thirty-six double A. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Is that from all the nude admin? <laughs> it's from the nude admin. <laughs> <laughs> for the benefit of the listener at home, uh, she's nodding no. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. You, stop mouthing that you have to say the words. It's audio. Like, not, we, we agreed I wouldn't. No, but I, I kind of like the idea of it. So, you know, I'm going to let that one slide. That's been nice. 36, though. That's quite, you know. You've I'm a 36, what's wrong with 36? That's quite, I'm quite fat, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking bitch. By the way, the we've, two we've people that... Out. Yeah, <laughs> During the, a podcast. The, the two people who had an argument weren't them, don't worry. It's, uh, you can't guess them. But, uh, okay. I, I sort of don't know if I want to ask any more questions. No, now. ask some quick <laughs> questions and we'll answer them properly. Okay. Uh, Best show you've ever seen at the Camden Fringe? Um... We, I, so I've got two, I think, for this answer. Oh, I've got three. Can I do three? My top three. Yeah, go on then. Okay, one's a theatre show called Concrete Boots, which made me cry and was excellent um, by Stop Clock Theatre Productions probably about five years ago. Um, One was a bad musical by The Trap, um, which um, is amazing, and I still sing the songs in my head to it. Um, I think I did go to Edinburgh the year after. It was excellent. And then the other one was... Um, Impro, Impro Twats. <laughs> yes, love Impro Twats, um, which um, was Marek Larwood, um, Dustin Demery burns Jared Christmas, and Sophie Black. Um, and they did... Uh, they were like a fake improv troupe, but they were in it. They did, were improvising it, but they had all these tensions going on in their improv troupe. And um, it was brilliant. It was gen- and they only ever did it at the Camden Fringe like t- two, three times. Yeah. I think. I think they did it all in one night. Did I think so. I think I saw it at least twice. Or maybe yeah. I didn't. I don't know. It was brilliant. But it was excellent. Are they, are they your answers as well? Have you got any others to add? There was one. I can't remember the name of the show. You might. Um, it was. It was a boy, and he was mostly naked, chained himself up, smeared himself in jam, sort of singing. And it was... It was called Attempt. Attempt. Yeah. It was... That was very much performance art. Yeah, and mm. part of me was thinking this is nuts, but also I loved it. 
and his mum was sat on the front row for every single performance. That's sweet. It was very sweet. It's very sweet watching your naked son covered in jam <laughs> That's every a, night. A dedicated mum. Yes, yes. She was yeah, very proud. <laughs> oh, and do you remember when we had Nellie Boswell? Yeah. You, you don't know who Nellie Boswell is, being not from our era. Also, she's fictional. She's a fictional character. <laughs> but the woman who did play her, Jean Boat, did a show, which we were very excited about because we used to love bread which was very famous in the 80s um but then she was awful wasn't she am i allowed to say that she was rude she's quite grumpy yeah she's quite but she was in a weird fringe show which i think was slightly beneath her probably mm. she's a lot she's an elderly woman but pretending to be a rapping oap we're still excited even though she's rude to us because it's nelly boswell fair enough you you can say the worst shows you've seen if you want as well. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> That's not like you don't want to. No, you want to. You want to say there were no bad shows at the Camden. Print, no, but there know. are bad shows, and that's. Um, I would rather see a really bad show than a very average show. I'd rather see something that was right. awful and then I could tell my friends about for years afterwards than something that was just kind of boring um, and about two people on the train. Um, so, well, there was a show. I think in the first or second year called Blow Em Away, um, which uh, I think is the only show one of my friends from real life has come to see. Um, and she still talks about it now, even though it's like, you know, eight years on. Um, and it was a musical about Pied Piper. Um, and it was um, very passionately staged, but but dreadful. Um, and But I, I loved it because it was awful, but it was so much fun to watch because it was awful. That's awful. I, know. I, don't, think, I don't think they'll be listening to this. So I think that's fine. We can say Blow Em Away wasn't, wasn't very good. Do you, do you go and see most of the shows then at the Camden Fringe? No, okay. we don't have time. Um, and because most shows are only on for a couple of days, the sort of window of opportunity is very small. Um, and, um, yeah, we, we, I always want to go and see more shows than we do, um, but we find that we're kind of bogged down in admin quite a lot, dealing with tweets and emails and... <laughs> so much naked admin and then you find out there's, you've got 10 minutes to see a show by the time you've got dressed yes, yeah. the doors are closed and you, you can't get in so then we just have to strip again there may be a flaw in our, <laughs> our naked admin plan there. just a constant you know I've got a tweet quick take the top off yeah. like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> right um <laughs> Um, and I was, I was going to say, do you have any, because I normally ask this anyway, but do you have any book recommendations that you would have for any performers looking taking part? Because there are a lot of ones for like Edinburgh Survival Guides and, and random other uh, performance and marketing stuff. And I just wondered if there's anything that you would recommend reading material wise. I've not read a book about comedy for years. I don't think. Is that I must have done? No. <clears throat> just, um, just read a nice book, <laughs> like a nice Thomas Hardy or Jane Austen or... I read a classic you'll always get more th- from that than you know reading the bottom of your shoe I, oh, there's a book by um, Ted Heller that was about comedians that I really liked and I can't remember what it's called now but you'll if you look you up Ted Heller you'll find it yeah uh, uh, Ted Heller did a really good book about comedians but it wasn't really relevant to it was all American so it was not really relevant to performing over here and uh, I have a book called Ha Bloody Ha Comedians Talking which is from the early 90s uh, which was by William Cook which I really liked because there was an argument talked about in it that I started 
uh, when I was 16. So I was really proud of that. When I found it in a bookshop when I was about 18, I was like, yes, I started that argument. It's in there. So. What argument? I don't want to talk about that now, but uh, it a, wasn't a big one. <laughs> if you think you know what that argument was, tweet in. Like, just <laughs> what arguments to be tweeting about? And James Seabright wrote a book, didn't he, about um, producing shows in Edinburgh mm-hmm. and taking a show to Edinburgh. One of those... So one of those... The yeah, stupid... Gu- no, I don't think it was a stupid guide to doing something. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think it was... No, I think it was just a normal book on... I think it was so, a so, yeah, James Seabright wrote, wrote a book about it, which I haven't read, but I imagine it's full of useful information. Yeah. But the Fringe Office give you a lot of good information, but again, it's just read stuff um, rather than not reading stuff and guessing. Yeah, read the information provided to you. Uh rather than books. <laughs> read, yeah, read some information about performing at the particular festival you might be performing at. Uh, read your contracts. Very important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and don't worry so much about books. <laughs> Fair enough. What are you reading for? <laughs> oh, who said that? Yeah, Bill Hicks, that's it, yeah. And it's like, I mainly read to not be a waffle, waffle waitress. waitress. Yeah. <laughs> I can love him. Um, well, I was going to say, do you have one bit of advice for a couple of thousand comedians that might be listening to this who want to take part? But I feel like read the emails and look at your website is the... I mean, you want to add one have, more thing? Have to something to say. Have some actual material. <laughs> so, no, so so many people, honestly, it makes me livid. Yeah. So many people have got nothing to say, no material. They're just get up and where you're from what do you do which is fine for a bit of a warm-up but actually it comes a point when you think no right you have to stop taking the piss out of your audience now and actually say something and you know and it it doesn't have to be a message or change the world but it has to be funny at least has to have more jokes than eastenders don't do a show about being a comedian because people who aren't comedians don't care about being a comedian and it's amazing how many people go here's a show about my life as a comedian you think that no no people want something they can relate to or you know um and i don't think you have to do a themed show or anything like that but have some funny things to say write some jokes (laughs) write some bloody jokes (laughs) we'll end there then (laughs) (laughs) good luck everyone (laughs) we love you that was Zena and michelle I really enjoyed chatting with them. They're so warm and lovely and they're so chatty amongst themselves, but they never sort of leave you out. And it was really nice uh, to have a chat with them and, and learn more about what they've been doing and why they've been doing it. Also, I'd like to thank them for not only taking part, but also for helping sort out a room for us to do that. And they pulled the strings and got us a connection with the venue that we were doing it in, which was the Hen and Chickens. And we were able to do a nice... Uh, recording in the actual theatre space that afternoon so that's really helpful thank you so much for supporting the show if you would like to support the show you can do so by going to the website and clicking the paypal button in the top hand corner of the screen and you can send me whatever you think this is worth Um, if you've listened to five episodes of this and you think they're each worth two quid send me a tenner if not send me a pound per episode whatever you think it's worth i don't really mind if if you'd like to make your life a lot easier and you do want to give a regular donation i've set up a patreon page which is at patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash ask the industry podcast uh you can find a link to that on the website as well what that'll do is you can set how much you would like to donate per episode of the podcast 
and at the end of every month it will charge you for that the lowest amount you can donate is one dollar so if you have 80p per episode of this show that you would like to donate that would really help out because it gives me a budget and it helps me sort of move forward and feel a little bit less like I'm just plowing money into a project that's not got any financial backing or advertisers or anything like that so any help you can give uh, we're sort of eking towards our next target if just 48 of you could donate one dollar each episode we'd hit our next target so that would be amazing so yeah please do give that some thought and consider it i only do three episodes a month so it's only going to cost you know it's only going to cost you about two pound eighty to keep this show going please also share it uh, i think it'd be really good for anyone who wants to take part in the camden fringe or who's just interested in just comedy in london really generally it's a very interesting discussion about how the capital is changing and so hopefully you'll get something out of it from that perspective. Um, if you go to the show notes at my website, which is simonkane.co.uk, you can find links to the other podcasts that we talked about in there, including the one from The Londonist, uh, from Time Out, and a couple of others. I can't remember which one's off the top of my head now. But yeah, they're all there, and um, yeah, all downloadable for free. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for sharing. Thank you very much for subscribing, and thank you very much for donating. Bye! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.